The Truth News Network. One man can change the world. It's done every day. Kepler, Copernicus, Ptolemy, Lister, they all change the world. Interesting that these are scientists. And the hallmark of science is skepticism and a relentless pursuit of truth. Starting to see a picture? Good. And here to clarify that picture for you from TNN, the Truth News Network, Dan Newman. Gotta find it. Gotta look for it. Gotta find it. That's what our quest is. It's all about every day. Find facts. Tell you what are the facts that we find. And we've been doing a pretty good job of keeping up with all of the uh, hidden things for you. The latest, of course, is this overnight exposure of Twitter expose part two. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. As I said, we've got a lot to dig into today, and uh, I'm going to jump right to it. This Twitter exposure by Elon Musk and Barry Weiss. You remember Barry Weiss? It's a female, B-A-R-I. She's formerly with the New York Times, formerly a book writer. She left the New York Times because she disagreed with the way their editorial board was handling the distribution of news and how they were leaving so many things out that the American people, according to her, needed to know about. So Elon made dump number two. He made it, he just sent it to her. And it's interesting to me that uh, he would even do that. But what we've got to understand, folks, is there's a lot of things that are going on that uh, you and I are not privy to. And that says a lot. We've got to dig into that kind of stuff. We've got to get those answers. And one of them is just to look at what was exposed. A new Twitter files investigation revealed they got many tools that company executives employed to blacklist and shadow ban conservative voices. The thread was posted to Elon Musk's platform, and it reveals that the internal Twitter name for shadow banning is visibility filtering. It's not shadow banning. That's what the general public call it. They have called it in the past, Elon's former Twitter employees, visibility filtering. Again, it was released yesterday, late last night, I guess, to Barry Weiss. And it's yet another very lengthy Twitter thread. The revelations showed that several, not just one, not just two, not just three, several mainstream conservative voices from Charlie Kirk to Dan Bongino, were shadow banned by the social media company under the guise of visibility filtering, or VF is what they called it. Now, this is Twitter. you got to abbreviate everything. At one point, Twitter even placed Stanford professor Dr. Bhattacharya under the label Trends Blacklist. Trends Blacklist. Now, think about that term. In other words, we're not going to let his post trend. We want to limit the visibility to anybody and everybody about Dr. Bhattacharya's post. Why is that? He was a very rabid spokesperson against the COVID bureaucratic narrative 
that has hurt so many people. Twitter once had a mission to give everybody the power to create and share ideas and information instantly with no barriers. But along the way, barriers were erected. Take, for example, Dr. Bhattacharya, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. Or consider the popular right-wing talk show Dan Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. Now, I want you to listen close as we go through this. This is important. You need to get your arms wrapped around all of this this morning. As Barry Weiss and multiple conservative commentators pointed out, and Barry Weiss is not conservative at all, Twitter routinely denied shadow-banning voices, especially based on political viewpoints or ideology. While shadow-banning might not be the term that Twitter themselves internally employed, the company still performed the censorial practice under the banner of visibility filtering, or VF for short. According to Weiss, multiple high-level sources confirm that visibility filtering took place. Think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what other people see to different levels. It's a very powerful too. One senior employee is quoted as having told Barry Weiss, we control visibility quite a bit. We control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do. Now, that came from an anonymous Twitter engineer, which two other Twitter employees confirmed, by the way. Barry Weiss further profiled efforts by Twitter executives, now gone, to censor accounts like Libs of TikTok, which Breitbart News is going to cover over the next couple of days. But you can go find out for yourself Libs, L-I-B-S, of TikTok on Twitter. Search that, libs of TikTok. Recently, former Twitter safety executive Yoel Roth, who quit after Elon Musk acquired the company, Roth defended the platform's fateful decision to censor the Christian satire site, the Babylon Bee, for calling transgender HHS Assistant Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine a man. We have seen from a number of Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok, notably, that there are orchestrated campaigns that particularly single out a group that is already particularly vulnerable within society. This is Yoel Roth speaking to the New York Magazine editor, Kara Swisher, at the Informed Conference last week. So not only is not funny, It is dangerous, and it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world. The other pieces, all the pieces of all of the nastiness going on in Twitter, and it didn't happen in a vacuum. It wasn't just Twitter. It wasn't just San Francisco. It included very heavily 
Washington, D.C. Both the legislative Washington, D.C. and the bureaucratic Washington, D.C. Now, what do you mean, Dan? FBI was even involved in this. Meetings, weekly meetings with Twitter managers talking about specific people, specific Twitter accounts, and what the FBI thought should happen regarding those accounts. Twitter owner and CEO Musk called out Democrat-aligned law firm Perkins Coy. Perkins Coy, that very infamous Washington, D.C. law firm now, and it's known for its alleged attempt to corrupt a presidential election. They played the big role, remember, in the Russia collusion hoax during the 2016 race. In 2017, the Washington Post exposed that election attorney Mark Elias, who was then at Perkers Coy, hired an opposition research firm, do I even need to name it for you, Fusion GPS. And Mr. Elias used money from the Hillary Clinton campaign along with money from the Democrat National Committee, to find dirt on Donald Trump when he was a candidate. So this so-called dossier that resulted, manufactured by former British spy Christopher Steele, was the basis for the collusion hoax and was also used by the FBI to justify its investigation into everybody, Trump et al., his campaign, his family members, yada, yada, yada. The FBI continued to cite the dossier when it sought surveillance warrants from the secret FISA court, even after the FBI knew that the dossier was fraudulent. Let me stop right there and ask you this question. Now, everything you just heard was part of a concerted um, plot to kill the presidential administration of Donald Trump. And you know this. They all said, they being Democrat National Committee, Democrats in Congress, the Hillary Clinton campaign, of course, pull out all the straws. Everything goes. Anything goes. Just get it done. Michael Sussman, remember that name? Michael Sussman was then also at Perkins Coy. He gave the FBI data that purported to show a link between Trump and Russia through Alpha Bank in Russia. And the link that Sussman gave to the FBI was false. Now, Sussman, he was trialed, uh, he was tried, he was put on trial, he was acquitted of lying to the FBI about his motivations. Observers like Byron Yark of the Washington Examiner said they believed that Michael Sussman had in fact lied, but that the jury was in Democrat-friendly Washington, D.C. and included several Clinton donors on the panel. You think (laughs) the Clinton campaign and the DNC were fined by the Federal Elections Commission for hiding their payments to Fusion GPS? Musk tweet came amid the new revelations of left-wing bias and show banning at Twitter. 
Now, some have disputed Musk's claim that Perkins Coy does not represent Twitter at the moment. There are people that are going after Elon Musk because of now two revelation evidentiary dumps of Twitter, all these people being exposed. There are people that saying, well, Elon Musk, he hired Perkins Coy. They're representing Twitter right now. Jan Jackalik. Jan, I'm not even sure. It's J-A-N and the last name is J-E-K-I-E-I-E-K. He tweeted this. Elon, Cash and I looked through court filings for our upcoming at Cash Corner that show that Perkins Coy acting on Twitter's behalf as recently as December 6th and in multiple cases. I'm concerned someone has misled you. The episode with examples will run on Epic TV US, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. So we got another one to look into. We'll be watching that. Now, who is Dr. Bhattacharya? Well, he's from Stanford University, and he is an accomplished doctor, very well thought of. He works in and is directly affiliated with the Stanford University. He's a professor of medicine there. On Laura Ingram's show last night, Bhattacharya reacted to revelations that his Twitter account was put on a trends blacklist by stating that Twitter blocked, quote, scientific discussion, and this harmed science, harmed children, and harm the American people. But Achara stated, it feels like some novel from the 1950s where the House Un-American Activities Committee, you remember that when they were calling everybody in Washington, was calling everybody in Hollywood communist, and they were waging a witch hunt against these Hollywood people just to try to paint them as being communists. He's saying it feels like this, the same thing now. And he said, and I'm some sort of movie star from in Hollywood that they're blacklisting because I'm a communist or something. It's ridiculous. And it really hurt public health. That's really the only thing that mattered. It did. If we had an open discussion, this is the doctor speaking to Laura, the schools would not have closed in the fall of 2020. If we'd had an open discussion, the lockdowns would have been lifted much earlier because the data and evidence behind them was so bad. Twitter, by suppressing scientific discussion, harmed science, harmed children, and harmed the American public. I'm going through this and just kind of tapping at the highlights because it is really, really deep and very, very thorough. And just as this is all coming out, Elon's releasing it, you can bet there are going to be some Democrats that are going to jump up and just start, ooh, 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 you see my hand? Call on me. Call on me. Let me weigh in on this. And if I said, what Democrat, just for a moment, think through, 
with all of this nastiness that's being revealed about the Democrat National Committee, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Obama administration, Joe Biden included, and a bunch of Democrats and a bunch of FBI people. Who would you expect to jump up and start hollering, call on me, call on me? Representative Adam Schiff, (laughs) Shifty Schiff, said yesterday that under new Twitter owner Elon Musk, bigotry is spiraling on the social media platform. Bigotry. So a host of one of the CNN shows, Erin Burnett, I'm not sure which show was hers. Here's what she said. I want to ask you about something else happening tonight, and that is a Twitter dispute you are in with Elon Musk. Musk wrote, and I quote him, hate speech impressions are actually down by one-third for Twitter versus prior acquisition. You don't buy it. How come? Schiff said, nope, I certainly don't. I don't buy it. And what's more important, credible analysts don't buy it. What Mr. Musk is saying is without any evidentiary basis, I could tell you I would find his explanation a lot more believable if he provided some evidence for it. Once more, if it wasn't the fact that immediately after criticizing me on Twitter, all the comments that followed his, or most of them, were anti-Semitic in nature and QAnon content directed at me almost to refute him. And he added, sadly, we're seeing bigotry against the LBGT community, against the black community, against the Jewish community, and many other communities just spiral on Twitter now. We can't be surprised. Musk has let go so many of the people that were responsible for moderating and taking that content offline. Now, we could spend an hour and a half and talk about just what Adam Schiff had to say. First of all, Mr. Schiff, Elon Musk owns Twitter. He owns it. He doesn't answer to you. As a matter of fact, I don't know anybody in America that he answers to. When you're involved in something, we know automatically whatever position you take, Adam, You're taking it because you're obligated to somebody else about that one thing. And you may be obligated to someone else about the stuff that you put out here yesterday, last night, blasting Elon Musk and calling him or accusing him of posting bigotry and allowing bigotry across the board to be in place in his company. Of course, not a single Example of what he claimed was going on at Twitter. Not a single one would he offer. This first Twitter data dump and the second one dumped late yesterday or last night, each of them is full of a plethora of specific examples. Elon Musk didn't get out there and go on uh, Laura Ingram's show or Sean Hannity's show and just start making a bunch of allegations, did he? What did he do? He put dump number one in the hands of a journalist, last name Khabibi. The second one, 
he put in the hands of Barry Weiss, also a lifetime journalist. By the way, neither of those two are hardcore conservatives. They are both left-leaning. So Elon didn't come out. He is the smartest guy on the planet. He thought all the way through his putting all of this together to give to the American people and the best way to give it to them. And he came up with this. Why don't we let left-leaning news media people throw this out there? And because they're left-leaning, they won't accuse me of being a hardcore MAGA person, a far-right, crazy, white supremacist, whatever they would come up with and try to label me to denigrate what was being reported. And so he gave it to other people, and they released it. They analyzed it first, and then they released it. It's just typical. Adam Schiff, and it nauseates me. I cannot stand to think that I'm breathing the same air every day, as is Adam Schiff. He is the most corrupt, the most vapid, the most meaningless when it comes to doing anything good for anybody of anybody I know. And I know a lot of people, and I've met and been involved with a lot of bad people. Adam Schiff, he's the bomb. He beats them all. Well, well, well. What a way to start our Friday, right? What else do we have to talk to you about? We've got a big defection from the Democrat Party. Hmm. We also have something that is uh, not looking really good for the person that was supposed to be the shoe-in for the Republican House Speaker come January 3rd, Kevin McCarthy from California. He's having a fight now, fight of his life is what it may turn out to be, and it's not a slam dunk right now. Not sure it ever will be. We have that And we have a whole lot more. We've got some more information out of the Twitter dump. So what does that mean, Dan? That means run and grab a cup of coffee. You've got two minutes to get back and we'll get cranking again. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries, bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials, excluding cap and label. 
Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. That's a Christian song. You like that? You want to listen to a little bit of it again? A little more? sound that is. That's Andre Crouch and the Disciples. Come closer to me. And um, that, it rung home to me. It's Christmas. (laughs) Most of us are flooded with um, memories. A lot of them good. Not all of them good. Um, For those of you that know me personally, you know why Christmas season is generally pretty tough and how important it is to me and how my gorgeous bride has for 47 years, she's done her best to make sure that uh, our Christmas is really special. This is one part of the year that it means so much to me because all of our kids are right here, six grandkids in the same zip code with us. That's unheard of. Our son and his wife live in Fort Worth, but it's only three hours to their house, so we're real close, and they come a lot. Marianne and I go there a lot. Um, The reason that song is so special to me right now, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going through something really big, physical, physically, and uh, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, I'm a really tough guy. Uh, I don't get uh, excited about anything. Well, I do a little bit, but not overly excited, and I'm not that excited about this thing. 
But it is a physical thing. It's a major physical thing. I don't have any diseases. I'm just saying when you think of me, think of the show, think of truthnewsnetwork.org, say a little prayer. I guess that's what that song was talking about. Come closer to me. It's God talking to us. Uh, what is it? What is the line? Come closer to me. Come closer. I want to. I want to heal you. I want to touch you. It's kind of uh, encouraging when you have a personal relationship with God that you can say those things and really mean them, and you don't get embarrassed. <laughs> but you know what? When you're when you have a a physical problem, if really you should just swallow all of the pride that you have. Everybody faces those kind of things from time to time. And uh, what I've done and I've actually been successful is doing is I don't let those things dominate my thoughts. I don't let fear. I refuse to let fear take over about anything. I mean, I'm 69 years old. I pretty much have figured out that Anything out there that's going to try to get me, it either will or it won't. <laughs> and I'm going to be good either way. If it doesn't get me, I'm going to be alive. If if it gets me at some point, whatever it is, and I'm I'm making I'm making this very clear. I don't have anything like that in in my uh, rearview mirror or in my headlights right now. But if it ever happens, I'm fine. I'm not worried about my future, my eternity. I have a great relationship with God, and I'm glad for that. And Christmas time just magnifies that for me. Now, you got those last three minutes for free. <laughs> you get everything from TNN that you get. You get it for free. Wait a minute. Let me reconcile that with this one thing. You invest time to either read our stories or listen to the show or both. And I'm thankful for that. Don't take you for granted. Never have, never will. You guys are probably the most amazing talk show crowd that I could possibly ever have. And we have a group of regulars. You're here all the time, and you are amazing. It is a sacrifice. And a lot of you, you use the earbuds. You may be sitting at your desk. You may turn it on, turn it off. You may download it later from uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, it's everywhere, Truth News Network's program, TNN Live. But most of you, if not all of you, are committed. You listen to every show. Maybe not the whole show. I get it. But I'm thankful for you listening to the part that you're listening to right now. Big news coming out of D.C. Big news. You got a Democrat that has defected from the Democrat Party. Who might that be? Senator Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. Welcome back. Breaking news this morning. Senator Kirsten Sinema registering as an Arizona independent. Sinema making a video announcement saying that she has declared her independence from the broken partisan system in Washington, changing her affiliation from Democrat to independent. Joining me right now is Congress, Florida Congressman-elect and combat veteran Corey Mills. Congressman-elect, it's great to see you. 
thanks very much for being here this morning. First, give us your reaction to the Kirsten Cinema news. I want to get into all of the breaking news of the morning, uh, but this just happening, so let's start there. Well, I think that it's something that we kind of already had seen was was coming to fruition. I mean, we know that Kristen Cinema has not necessarily towed the line with uh, all of the kind of social issues and the different things that the Democrat Party has been fighting for. Uh, I, I would actually think that this would have been a move made by Joe Manchin, if anything, to separate himself from the you know abysmal kind of fossil fuel attacks and, and energy policies from the left and from the Biden administration. But uh, I think this is a good sign that a lot of people are not wanting to follow this kind of perverse and America last ideology and that's the reason for their switch. Yeah, she put this video out and she certainly has pushed back on a lot of those uh, issues that the Democrats are pushing like socialism. And so what does that mean? Kirsten Cinema has changed her party affiliation and even her voter registration from Democrat to independent. What does that mean? Well, there are a couple of ways to look at it. And the only way that I can suggest that you look at it is very objectively and just wait and see. Why would you go that route, Dan? Well, not every independent is good to have in Congress. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat or a Republican. He's far left. He's way left of the Democrat Party. Kirsten Cinema. I don't think she really G's and haws with him. What she's trying to do is get out of the fray because she has always been, along with Joe Manson from West Virginia, they're two senators that often have stayed somewhere in the middle and sometimes even leaning right on pieces of legislation, especially big ones like Joe Biden's put on us over and over and over again in his two years as president. And you got to remember this. She's from Arizona. She lives in Arizona. Arizona is becoming more and more and more conservative. And if you throw out parts of Maricopa County, it's way, way more conservative than it was even four years ago. So if she's going to represent people in Arizona, she's got to represent the people that, pay her bills, and that vote for issues for all those people and not just the causes and the way that the Democrat Party and Democrat leaders want her to vote. So basically what she's doing is putting her foot down, drawing a line and saying, look, I'm no longer going to vote for Democrat policies and rules and pieces of legislation just because I'm a Democrat. I'm not going to do that. I want to get out of that. I want to get out of that pressure. I don't want Democrats in leadership looking at me and getting angry with me because I'm on the fence about a piece of legislation. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to represent my people in Arizona as part of a political party. And I don't know how I'm going to vote on any particular issue. And I'm never going to vote on one again just because I'm a member of a political party. I got to be honest with you. Makes sense to me. Now, she will caucus. She's going to caucus with Democrats, which means 
just like Bernie Sanders, she most of the time is going to be a Democrat or caucus with the Democrat Party. And so it's good and it's bad. I think it's good in the fact that we know we have somebody over there that's been a hardcore Democrat, supported all kinds of Democrat policies in the past. She's softened. She's moved back to the middle. We've watched it happen over the last couple of years. It's just like Joe Manchin. There are many people that thought he would be the one, the first Democrat in the Senate, that would jump ship. And we thought he would. I thought he would this year, especially in light of those huge, massive spending bills that he hated. you got to remember this. Joe Manchin is a former governor of West Virginia. Those people have known him forever. And he's always been a very moderate Democrat. Democrats, until this recent election, with the exception of maybe one big metropolitan area in West Virginia, are conservatives. But those people in West Virginia, when they vote for candidates, they vote for substance. They vote for record. And they like Joe Manchin, and they like Joe Manchin, the job that Joe Manchin has done working for the West Virginia people the whole time he was governor and as he's been in the U.S. Senate, even though he's a Democrat. I don't know how much longer he can hold out. Let me just make a prediction. If he does not follow suit and do what Kirsten Cinema has done, uh, probably maybe right after the 2024 election, he's going to announce he's not going to serve anymore. He's going to retire. He's either going to step across the aisle a little bit or open up the door to do so, as Kirsten Cinema did, or he's going to retire. Everything, every decision, everything that's done in Washington, D.C. is purposeful. It all is. Never think that it exists in a vacuum because nothing exists in a vacuum in Washington, D.C. So what else is happening? Well, (laughs) consternation everywhere. Republicans, many have said, and there are more that are coming forward and saying it's real, that there are at least 20 firm no votes against Kevin McCarthy becoming House Speaker. Now, who are these turncoats? And I'm using the term loosely. I'm just describing somebody that's going against the consensus. Well, numbering among them, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, he said 20 members of the House Republican Conference are pretty hard no votes against House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker next session. Biggs, in an interview yesterday, said conservative review with Daniel Horowitz's show that those who plan to not vote for McCarthy are not all from the House Freedom Caucus, which is the most conservative group in the House. Biggs is a former chair of the Freedom Caucus. He ran against McCarthy to be the GOP's nominee for the speakership earlier this month. McCarthy won the vote, 188 to 31, with five reps voting for neither man. 
But McCarthy needs to win 218 votes on January 3rd. That's the first day of the next session of Congress. He's got to get 218 to become Speaker, and Republicans are set to hold only a narrow majority, meaning he cannot afford to lose many votes. All Democrats are going to likely support their party nominee, which will likely be Representative Hakeem Jeffries. He's a Democrat from New York, is the nastiest member in the House of Representatives. I'll I'll just say this. When he gets on a stage and he starts giving a speech or debating somebody, he begins to look like Satan himself. And he cuts nobody in his slack. McCarthy warned in an interview with Newsmask on Monday of this week that Democrats could pick the next speaker if Republicans play games on the House floor. At least five House Republicans, including Biggs, have publicly said, or they strongly indicated at least, they will not vote for McCarthy on the floor. Now, what's their beef with Kevin? Well, it's coming some from some pretty hardline conservatives over several issues like not pushing for a budget to cut spending, not committing to pursuing impeachment against certain Biden administration officials like Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. McCarthy called Mayorkas to resign in remarks last week, saying if he does not, House Republicans will determine if they can begin an impeachment inquiry. But remember this. Impeachment removal from office, it doesn't matter what the House says. doesn't matter what they think. If they vote articles of impeachment out of the House of Representatives, the decision then rests solely in the U.S. Senate. Big said the party leadership needs change from the status quo. He said the issues with McCarthy have galvanized enough members to stop him from winning the speakership. The sooner that they realize that, then the sooner that we can resolve who will be speaker. What you don't want to see happen, and McCarthy himself alluded to it when he said, you better be careful Because if you split too much in the Republican Party, Democrats will choose who the House Speaker is. Remember this, everybody in the House votes for who's going to be the majority leader. Who's going to be the Speaker of the House. You don't want to have somebody like Hakeem Jeffries being Speaker of the House, even if Democrats aren't in the majority. The Speaker determines and has sole authority to determine what legislation will be considered in that particular Congress. Now think about that. Think about that. Hakeem Jeffries could determine every piece of legislation that could come before the Congress and also everyone that can't. And nobody can do anything. They better get their crap together. That's all I can say. McCarthy and his allies on the Republican Steering Committee are delaying handing out committee assignments now, using that as some ammunition to give McCarthy an advantage going into the speakership battle in a few weeks. 
by delaying committee assignments, it's ammunition. He may be able to outmaneuver these turncoat Republicans. One unnamed GOP lawmaker explained that what McCarthy's essentially doing is holding the committee seats hostage in exchange for the speakership, quid pro quo. It creates leverage by leaving the threat out there that if you don't vote for somebody and they become speaker, you'll get screwed on committees, one congressman said. In other words, if the dissidents don't vote for Kevin, they won't get their preferred committee assignments, but if they do vote for him, then they will. Quid pro quo. Of course, this threat is contingent on McCarthy actually winning the speakership. But as it stands, he's still backed by the majority of the GOP caucus, so he's probably safe. Plus, this same shtick once worked like a charm for former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Remember this? After the 2016 elections, Paul Ryan waited until after the new Congress took office in January of 2017 to decide which House members served on which committees. That delay helped Ryan, who is a Wisconsin Republican, it helped him outflank conservative opposition to his second term as Speaker. Ryan's allies were able to use that threat that conservative opponents would be denied committee assignments. The delay could wind up benefiting McCarthy similarly. The California Republican is facing much public opposition from five GOP lawmakers in his quest to become the speaker. And one of the five is firebrand from Florida, Representative Matt Gates. Speaking on Steve Bannon's War Room podcast, Matt Gates said that of the 36 Republicans who voted against McCarthy during the initial speaker vote, five of them have vowed to vote no again come the final vote in January. To catch everybody up, last week there were 36 votes against McCarthy in the Republican conference. And again, Kevin has had years to try to convince people of the worth of his candidacy. Since that time, zero of those 36 have come out to say, you know what, I voted against McCarthy previously, but I'm now prepared to vote for him on the floor. Zero. That's 36, zero of them, according to Matt Gates, have come out and said they will vote for McCarthy. Meanwhile, five members, Andy Biggs, Bob Good, Matt Rosendell, and now most recently Ralph Norman, have all come out and said that our no vote on McCarthy is firm. It was not just a no vote with the Republican conference. It's a no vote we intend to carry out on the floor. It's all about politics. It's all about pontification. This is the part of government that the American people despise. In both cases, in my opinion, it's meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. Only thing that matters is what we do. We can say all kind of stuff. We can promise all kind of stuff. I mean, look what look what the Democrats did to Joe Manchin. We brought Joe Manchin's name up a little bit ago. He caved to vote 
for Biden's Inflation Reduction Act because he was promised he was going to get this great deal for coal in his state, West Virginia. They swore on the Bible. They were going to make sure they were going to put that in that bill for Joe Manchin and he could wave the wand of look what I did to all the people in West Virginia. And they basically, after he voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, they gave him the middle finger and said, tough Tommy, buddy, you're not getting it. We're not going to vote for that anti-Green New Deal fossil fuel. We're not going to vote for that anymore. And Joe said, well, you promised if I gave you my vote. And they looked at him and laughed and said, Yeah, and we're not keeping that promise. (laughs) There was a war in the House Judiciary Committee in a hearing yesterday. And it involved a preacher and Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan. What's it all about? (laughs) You're going to love this. It's up next at TNN Live. Real truth, real news, TNN. The Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You know, I don't, I don't remember a time in, um, I guess, 25 years, maybe 30 years, that I remember seeing so much vitriol in and about and with the United States Supreme Court. After all, 
they are the probable most powerful branch of the three co-equal branches of government. And I say that because they're the last venue. Everything, if there's controversy in there and there are lawsuits and it ends up in the appeals courts, and if it's a big deal, then it eventually will end up at the Supreme Court and they have the final say-so. And most every issue that goes all the way to the Supreme Court and is debated, it's a very controversial one. People, I don't know why, but people try to take advantage of all of those things about the conservatives and the liberals who sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Right now, it is considered that the majority of the members of the Supreme Court Christians, which means they believe in the Bible. And so somebody that goes in and gives testimony about a contentious item, they, if they're Christians, they want to make sure it's known that they are Christians. In other words, they're using their religion, their religious faith to try to get an advantage in politics. And yesterday in the House Judiciary Committee, a hearing And a pastor was sitting there to testify, and he had in his rearview mirror done some pontificating in and with and about the U.S. Supreme Court. Jim Jordan just basically blasted a hole in this preacher's head. Uh, Mr. Mr. Shank, did, uh, did Gail Wright really tell you that? Yes. Justice Alito said he didn't tell her. She said she didn't tell him, but you're sure she told you? Absolutely. Now, you wrote a book a couple of years ago. Is that right? 20, 2018, you wrote, yes. wrote a book? Yes. Uh, I want to read a section from that book. Uh, it's a section where you relate uh, you and your family were attended oral arguments at the, at the court. You were there in the courtroom, and that directly involved your brother, Paul, um, also a reverend, uh, and I, wanted, I just want to read this, this section. You said, with the single rap of the gavel, Chief Justice William Rehnquist announced, we'll hear argument first this morning in number 95-1065, Reverend Paul Shank and Dwight Saunders versus Pro-Choice Network of Western New York. Paul and I winked at each other knowing we had made history with that reverend in his name. It had been a minor victory when we persuaded the court that reverence should remain before Paul's name, even though we had been told repeatedly that legal briefs never included such titles. You thought it was important that, obviously based on what you said, you thought it was important that the title uh, reverend be in front of Paul's name. Is that right? Correct. And why was that? Because we saw it as a religious liberty matter and that that would make it clear that it fit in that category. Did Chief Justice Rehnquist really say that, the way I just read it from your book? Uh, I can't say that I remember. Well, you're pretty darn specific here. You got the number, case number 95-1065. Very next word says Reverend Paul Shank. You made it a big deal. Um, Thought it's the first time it's ever happened. I'm just asking, did it really happen? 
I wish I could tell, I would have to go back and, and review that. So you, it may not have? Possibly not. Why do you say possibly not? You were emphatic in your book. I would well, have to go back. And, well, we did and go back. We did go back. And I got the transcript <clears throat> right here. Proceedings, 10.05 a.m., Chief Justice Rehnquist. We'll hear argument first this morning in number 95-1065, Paul Shank and Dwight Saunders versus Pro-Choice Network of Western New York. Did you hear it? I did. Was there a word missing? Uh, title, Reverend. Yeah, wasn't in there. In your book, you said it was a big deal, so much so that you winked at your brother. Did you wink at your brother? Yes. What'd you wink for if it wasn't in the title? Well, it was our case. But, you, but that's not, you said you winked because they included Reverend in the title and the transcript says Mr. Rehnquist didn't. Perhaps not. Perhaps? Court reporter get it wrong? Did he say it and the court reporter get it wrong? Well, then. Well, we got the audio, too. I'm going to play that for everyone to hear. We'll hear argument first this morning, number 95-1065, Paul Shank and Dwight Saunders versus Pro-Choice Network of Western New York. Reverend, did you hear that? I did. Was there a word missing that's different from what you put in your book? A title, yes. What was that title? Reverend. Reverend was not there. Right? Did you wink at your brother? I think I did. In fact, I think I actually oh, wow. hooked him. So now you got more details. You got the key detail wrong, what you were writing about in your book, but now you remember an additional detail. You not only winked, you, not, you, you elbowed your brother. I think Even I though the reason for the wink in your writing was the fact that Reverend was using the title, something that had never been done, but it wasn't used. But we're supposed to believe you today. We're supposed to take your word over Justice Alito's word. We're supposed to take your word over a lady who gave you dollars, donated to your cause, Miss Gail Wright. You're disparaging her name, Justice Alito's name, and the court. And you, you have this, which obviously didn't happen. We got the transcript. We got the audio. But you made it a big deal in your book. One thing I've learned, people who mislead folks on small things mislead them on big things. And you know what? You can, you can lie in a book. That's not a crime. You can lie to the New York Times. That's not a crime. But when you come in front of Congress... And you say things that are not true, you're not allowed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. And we have seen it. You're not supposed to do that. I yield back. Could you tell Jim Jordan was a little bit hacked off at Reverend Schmeck? Let me give you a little context. This was about Roe v. Wade. And this guy, the guy you just heard in the courtroom, not the courtroom, in uh, the congressional hearing, was a pastor. He was very aggressively pro-life. And this uh, confrontation that happened in the Supreme Court was pro-life against pro-choice. Just like we hear all the time, we've heard it, it's not settled. It's going to be coming up over and over and over again as long as abortion exists, period. And so what Congressman Jordan was talking about was this guy, Schneck, is now an activist, pro-choice person. He switched. And he's got a multitude of excuses for his doing so, but that's not the the thing we're, we're talking about right now. 
lying to Congress. I go back to the old story about the little white lie, a wink to a brother, (laughs) a real brother, a little white lie, example of a little white lie that many of us use, we've used it, or little white lie is very similar. You're sitting in the living room, your wife is right across the bar, she's in the kitchen area, the phone rings in there, she answers it and asks for you. And she says, phone, and you go, who is it? And she covers the phone and she says, it's Bill. And you say, tell Bill I'm not here. And she tells Bill, well, Bill, I'm sorry. I thought he was here, but he must be outside. He's not here. I'll tell him you called. She hangs up and she looks at you and said, why'd you, why'd you make me lie? And he said, that wasn't a lie. You said, I didn't lie. You didn't lie. I didn't make you lie. I told you to say, I wasn't right here and you did. I wasn't right here standing right there where you were in the kitchen. I'm in the living room. Facts are facts. Misrepresenting facts is lying about them. Congressman Jim Jordan, he's probably one of the most aggressive and good debaters of anybody that sits in the House of Representatives. Just saying. More big news, lots of big news today. This Twitter thing is going to dominate the news all weekend. I'm just giving you a a warning about it. It will. I want you to listen to something. Dave Rubin, who you hear on on this show quite often, he went back or his staff went back and they dug up some Jack Dorsey testimony. Jack Dorsey's the founder of Twitter. You remember him? He was in the picture at Twitter until about a year, year and a half ago, and he stepped away. But anyway, he was before Congress, and he was testifying about Twitter censoring Twitter members, covering up, blocking some tweets, accepting some. And it was out on the street that they were doing it. Twitter was doing it all along. But It was always denied, but here's the founder of Twitter testifying before Congress. The media just gets everything wrong, and every now and again, you can go back and find beautiful moments of the lies being exposed in real time. So here's where I want to give credit where credit is due. You remember Matt Lauer? Matt Lauer was beloved by mainstream media for like 20 years, hosted the Today Show. I guess he ended up harassing a couple women or something. He's gone now. Okay, fine. He was me too is what it is. Uh, But here, he actually did a pretty freaking decent job. This is amazing. So this is video from 2016 with Matt Lauer on the Today Show asking then Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey if they censor individuals. This This is just spectacular. And just watch this knowing the backdrop of what we have learned over the last couple of days. So let me ask you point blank. Does Twitter censor the content of its users? 
Does it hide what it would consider inflammatory comments, whether they be social or political? Absolutely not. Twitter's always been about controls. People can follow whoever they want. And it's our job to make sure they see the most, the most important things and the, and the things that will matter to them. So anybody can say anything on Twitter? The company does not go in there and take certain things out that can be dangerous? There's certain there's certainly tweets that promote violence, which is against our terms of service, and uh, people have controls to block and people have controls to mute. But what about the company? Who decides the, company. the difference between criticism and hate? These are the these are the individuals. So you can follow who you want, and if it's something you want to see, you continue to follow it. Okay, you really need to understand. I, I think that video is going to be used in a court of law against him and and the company. Not only is he lying there. Uh, because he also lied. It's very obvious that he's lying. He's basically saying, we don't do anything. You can decide what to do, meaning you can block, you can mute, you can unfollow somebody. But then he said, and this, and this is the line, if you're, if you're a lawyer interested in First Amendment and any of this stuff, tech, you, this is the line. Our job is they see the most important things. Well, if your job is that they see the most important things, by default, you're ensuring that they won't see other certain things because you're deciding what's most important. When most people got on Twitter, the idea was you are gonna follow people and see a purely chronological feed with no manipulation. That's what you will see. But their job became to make sure you see the most important things. Well, that means some things aren't gonna be as important. So we are manipulating. And now we know that shadow banning exists, that there were actual tools at Twitter to make sure certain people couldn't be seen or would be uh, suspended or whatever it might be, and that the government was coordinating all over it. So the reason I showed you that is because I wanna give Matt Lauer credit. Matt Lauer did a fine job there. But usually what the media does is elevate people who are bad and wrong about everything. We are talking a lot about Twitter. Twitter's on everybody's mind, especially in light of the big dump, the second dump of examples of Twitter, the company censoring people that have dissenting opinions on pretty much everything, top to bottom. And they have impacted election results. They're that powerful. I mean, if you've got something that nobody else has anything like it, and it's used by billions of people on the planet. And it's a private entity. The people that own that private entity, they lick their chops because they can control anything and everything that people see on that. They can make it disappear. Now, let me ask you this. Do you tweet very much? Have you used it in your business or in a group that you're with? Have you posted or tweeted very many conservative things on Twitter and all of a sudden you notice you're not seeing things quite like they used to? When this all began to come up and questions were being asked of these Twitter people and they were saying, no, we don't do that, no, we don't do that. After the first Twitter dump, I started thinking back. When we first started truthnewsnet.org, our website, where we post stories every day, when we first started it, it was kind of humorous to me. I would be creating information for a story that I I come up here's when I write and I don't write everything on the on the website, but I write a bunch of it. 
Um, I begin all of the stories that I write with an idea. And then I kind of step back away and I think in a circle around the idea. What is in that idea that somebody would want to read? If I was looking at it, saw the title, I would want to go read that. And then once you start reading it, you're going to read the whole thing because it's full of something you're interested in. That's the way I have always written. I went to college in journalism, and uh, I'm a pretty decent writer. I'm a speed typist. Um, But that's the way I think about it when I write a story. And I just went blank. I just went blank. No, let me tell you where I was going with this. (laughs) I'm 69, folks. Um, I do research. I go to Google. I don't use Google as my main research source to go find something. I use DuckDuckGo. But in some cases, Google, for some reason, their algorithm brings up quickly more other items than does DuckDuckGo, or at least back then, when I first started the, the website. And I would... Click in Google, Google or DuckDuckGo in the search bar and put in there what I was looking for. And it would pop up and there would be something there in the category that I was talking about. And I would click on it to go read it and I'd start reading it. I can't tell you how many times this happened. In fact, Marianne and I laugh about it. All of a sudden, I would realize it was a previous story we had published at Truth News Network. So I'm looking for a factual source to write some other variation of that same concept, and it turned out that we had published it. That probably happened two or three times a week. Now, this is five years ago. Now, today, not today, but recently, I just happened to realize that wasn't happening very much anymore. And then I realized it's not happening at all, and I began to ask myself the question, Is my stuff getting out there? And I never got that question answered till right now. I will bet you somewhere in the deep, deep, dark, lower belly of Twitter headquarters, Truth News Network is on their radar screen. I don't have any proof that that's happening. I guess if Elon chooses to ever release any of the sites like truthnewsnet.org or Truth News Network, a list of them that have been somehow shadow banned or restricted or whatever else, I'd like to see if our website name is on there, but it wouldn't shock me if it is. That would explain a lot of things. Now think about people like Dan Bongino, Dave Rubin, and others that make their livings in this particular kind of media. And Twitter has taken control of their jobs, their business, by simply restricting access to other people's content. Let 
Let me tell you at the root of this, what I think stinks the worst and is the most evil part of this. Twitter and people that work there that think they have the unilateral, unfettered right to determine anything that is or not being published on Twitter is their God-given right. Nobody else has any power to do or say otherwise. It belongs to them. Do you know how many lives have been permanently changed because of the restrictions that these sycophants have placed on viewers reading, finding content, not seeing content through the years? How many election results were impacted? How many election results were changed? I can think of one, 2020. A majority of voters, when polled after the information came out, that the Hunter laptop was real and the Biden family syndicate is real and that President Biden was absolutely getting money from operations in and by the Biden family syndicate, and most of, if not all of the money that goes into that family comes because of Joe Biden, not because he's a great businessman, a good politician. He just happened to be, for eight years, the vice president of the United States who could open the door to the Oval Office and a conversation with Barack Obama. That election... People were asked after it came out, if we had known that, we would have voted another way. That should scare every American to death. Elon has just really taken a big chokehold on Twitter. He has every right to. He paid $44 billion for it. He owns it. Good, bad, or ugly, it's his. And guess what? He's just getting started. Announced early this morning He's going to remove one and a half billion users from Twitter in the coming weeks, as well as adding a brand new feature. He tweeted that he would delete 1.5 billion accounts to free up usernames for current users. He also said he was going to add a feature that would allow Twitter users to see the number of people that read or interact with their tweets. Tweets will show view count in a few weeks, just like videos do. Twitter is much more alive than people think. In other tweets, Musk said he would be deleting accounts that had not logged in for years to free up usernames. Twitter will soon start freeing the namespace of one and a half billion accounts. He added, these are obvious account deletions with no tweets and no log, no login for years. The changes come as Musk is moving Twitter away from a tool regulating the speech of its users for political convenience or otherwise and toward a free exchange of ideas. That's what all social media is supposed to be about, an exchange of ideas. They also come as Musk has unveiled a treasure trove of internal documents showing how Twitter executives influenced the platform, suspended users, reduced an account or post reach to other users. 
Musk called these documents the Twitter files, which he shared with Substack journalist first Matt Tibby and journalist Barry Weiss. The files showed Twitter's ever-persistent content moderation was decided on at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey with former head of legal policy and trust Gaddy, Vijaya Gaddy, playing a key role. So, what about uh, the other ones? What about Facebook? What about Google? What about Instagram? How much of this is happening there? (laughs) You and I both know there's a bunch. Is somebody going to go after Zuckerberg's company? Is somebody from within... That's the other thing. I could not believe nobody from internal parts of Twitter, no whistleblowers came forward. How could those manipulations that were massive in number and even more massive in the intensity of what they could and did do, what they stopped, what they allowed You can bet Google, YouTube, their big one, Instagram, all of them have been doing and are doing the same thing. There is no doubt in my mind that's a reality. And that should scare us all to death. And we have got to ask questions and get to the bottom of this stuff. We've got to. We can no longer just sit there and just hope things turn out for us and that somebody stands up to the bullies. No, we've got to be the ones that stand up for the bullies. We do. If we don't do it, who? If we don't do it now, when? Two questions you need to ask. It takes a lot to stand up in the face of probably some derision, some anger, some pushback. But you know what? We owe it to ourselves and to fellow Americans. We got to stop this insanity. We got to stop the government and its minions and the altered state it has created to control the government and everything that emanates out of the government, that's exactly what's going on in collusion, we find out, with Twitter and probably Facebook and Google as well. You better open your eyes. You better open and see and learn and know what your kids are looking at in social media because they're caught up in it just like you and I are. We're manipulated the way we think. The answers to questions that we have We're getting them when we're getting them from social media. I would say less than half the time we're getting factual information, but every time we're getting political partisan perspectives on every question we ask. And if you're conservative, it's definitely not answered as a conservative would. And if you believe it, you're caught up in it, you may be wrong, we may be letting three generations of kids grow up 
believing things that never were true but certainly aren't right now, and they have been and are making life-changing decisions based upon that stuff that Elon Musk is trying to get rid of. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, let's move over to another Democrat Party debacle. Joe Biden owns this one. We haven't talked about the southern border. We haven't talked about all the illegal immigrants. We haven't talked about Alejandro Mayorkas. We're going to hear from him in just a little bit in the next half hour. But there's another one, another one that is on the bullseye of Democrats in this president. They've got to get this student loan program, get it through the U.S. Supreme Court because there are people that are screaming for help. They need that relief. The Biden administration, they've uh, estimated about $350 billion to get rid of all that student debt for the American taxpayers to just digest the fact that it wasn't ours, we didn't make the debt, and pay for a bunch of other people that had no business going to college and borrowing that money to go there anyway. It's at the Supreme Court right now. So what's going to happen? What should happen? Last night on Fox Business, Kennedy and Shannon Bream got together to analyze it. I listened in and I thought you'd like to. We've all gotten scam emails with false promises of free money 
but usually they're from that nice Ugandan boy, not the federal government. In November, um, 9 million Americans received emails from the Department of Education saying they'd been approved to receive student debt relief, but it was all a lie. The student loan handout was on hold at the time, and in 2023, it's expected to be canceled for good by the Supreme Court. So how will President Biden make up this latest blunder to his base? Here with me now, Fox News legal correspondent and anchor of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream is back. Welcome back, Shannon. It's great to see you, Kennedy. I love Fox News Sunday. I'm not even going to lie. You do a phenomenal job. And Thank you. We love you, too. Well, I, I, I don't know if you're, you're talking about this this coming weekend, but I have to tell you, I know a lot of people who have applied for student debt relief. They got that email, and it was all a complete farce. Do you think when they launched, mm -hmm. I mean, I say the program, but it was an executive order, did they know that it wasn't legal and it would be challenged? They had to know there would be legal challenges. And one of their top arguments in this briefing that they filed with the Supreme Court, trying to get these lower court rulings that put the whole thing on hold to get those tossed out so the program could start again, part of the big argument was, hey, so many people have relied on that, and now it's all thrown into chaos. They don't know what to do. They don't know if they should pay or not pay. And so because there's chaos created, you need to let the program go forward. Which is, you know, a tough argument to make because then the executive branch, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, could decide at any point, I'm going to start this program. I know it's going to get challenged in court. And then when it does, I'm just going to say, well, we can't get rid of it now because too many people are depending on it. So the Supreme Court's going to have to wade through all that stuff. I don't think they're going to find that to be the most persuasive argument for this program. So how do you think, you know, given the makeup of the court, how could they potentially come down on this? I mean, is there a way of kicking it back to the lower courts, even though you had a split decision in one? Mm -hmm. Anything is possible, but here's what I would predict. This court, whether it's the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration, they've not been big fans of what they see as an overreach of power by the executive branch. They have told previous presidents and other executive agencies, you can't do this. This is probably something left for Congress. You can't just use your pen and your paper and your phone and just conduct major policy changes that way. I think they're going to be pretty skeptical about this. Remember when the CDC during COVID said, well, now we're just going to tell everybody that could, uh, evictions are over because there's this COVID emergency. And we as a federal agency are now just going to say nobody can get kicked out if they can't pay their rent. Uh, and that went to the Supreme Court more than once. And the court said this is something left for Congress. You can't just make these sweeping federal agency um, decisions or a decision from the White House. I tend to think, given their recent uh, years and precedents, that they're going to say no go on this student loan program, at least not in the form it's been done by the White House. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's just too big. It's too much money, and you can't have president after president picking a pet project in order to appeal to a group of voters and then just spending billions and billions of dollars and putting that on the backs of taxpayers who don't benefit from the program, who didn't go to college. It is a horrible precedent mm -hmm. for future presidents, and uh, I think you are absolutely right. Was this just... Uh, a quick grab for votes on the part of the president and the administration. 
Yeah, and even, you know, not conservative right-leaning organizations, like the Washington Post had a piece out recently about this that said, because, you know, for the for now, while the legal stuff is playing out, this administration has extended this through probably roughly June or so. Yeah. And even the Washington Post was like, okay, this is starting to look like a serious vote grab in the midterms. Yes. Um, there are skeptics right, right left, and center, for yeah. sure. And you know what? They were right to be skeptical. You are right to watch Shannon on Sundays. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I appreciate it. That student loan thing, I predicted it from the beginning. It was just going to be a way for Biden to buy votes for fellow Democrats in the midterms. There is no way a boondoggle like that would be constitutional. It's just not. In fact, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, back at the beginning of this year, she was asked, and on the floor of the House, she said, nobody has the authority, even a president, to cancel student loan debt. They can defer some payments, but they can't cancel the debt. That's the same thing as spending money. And nobody in government has the authority to spend federal tax dollars other than the U.S. House of Representatives and then confirmed by the Senate that it's okay to go to a president to sign into law. And that's not going to happen on Joe Biden's watch. So why else would he do it? They just talked about it, Shannon and Kennedy, to buy votes in the midterms, buy votes in the midterms. Now, how many people out there, how many people that have the piles of student loan debt that they have, how many of them have already made some big financial decisions and actually gone and got some of it going based upon the promises that President Biden made? I'm going to forgive your student loan debt. You won't have to worry about paying any of that student loan that you haven't paid yet. Why? Because I'm Joe Biden, and that's what I do. I make commitments that other people have to fulfill, even when I have no idea if they will or can fulfill them. Oh my gosh, there's insanity going on everywhere. Chicago, and not talking about shootings and murders today. An elite $40,000 a year Chicago school was recently revealed to have students as young as 14 discussing sex toys. Think about your 14-year-old. I've got three 16-year-old grandkids. I can't imagine them hearing anything about this at school today, and they're two years older than these 14-year-olds in Chicago. That school also has affinity groups, affinity groups, and those groups ban white children from attending. Now, this is Chicago. This isn't the big Gulf South, you know, where all those evil racists live. This is in Chicago. Francis Parker School has come under fire after the dean there, Joseph Bruno, who is, by the way, 41, told an undercover reporter from the conservative news website Project Veritas that the school aims to teach students at the Francis Parker School all about queer sexual intercourse. There's more to the progressive school's activities, including the affinity groups for kids as young as Four, age four. Here's what the school's website says, quote, 
affinity groups, or spaces for students with similar identities to come together in an adult-facilitated space to talk about their experiences and explore their identities. This is one space for children to see themselves and their experiences reflected in their peers. That all sounds pretty much benign, doesn't it? Children from preschool onwards can attend the groups, however. White students are not welcome. And by the way, the dean that's saying this, Joseph Bruno, he's a white guy. The site itself announces SOCA, SOCA, is open to all students in grades uh, JK, that's kindergarten, through fifth grade, who self-identify as a student of color and who are interested in participating. So they're going one step further. It's not your sexual identity, it's your skin color identity. When it comes to white students, or as the site puts it, students who identify as white, they say, SOCA groups are only open to students of color through direct, intentional programming. With the curriculum in the lower and intermediate schools, all students have the opportunity to consider their own racial identity and how it plays into their greater sense of self. They add, while white identity development is absolutely important to a child's development, we know there are a number of factors in the racial identity development process of young children of color that can benefit from direct programming in a way that differs from that of white students. Parents that are defending education president Nikki Nelly told Fox News in a statement that the school was segregating students by race and immoral. She said, rather than teaching small, innocent children to be kind to all people, authority figures who these and their parents trust or instead teaching students to view all human interaction through the lens of skin color. Administrators at Francis Parker should be ashamed of themselves, and families should make their displeasure known so that this programming will end. It all comes after Bruno was caught on camera by Project Veritas describing the school's sex education curriculum. Here's part of what he said. During Pride... We do a Pride Week every year. I had like our LGBTQ plus health center come in. They were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students, talking about queer sex, using lube versus using spit, he said. Bruno also disclosed that a drag queen had been invited into the classroom who took photos with the children and handed out cookies. The video shared on Project Veritas's Twitter account, which has a million followers, by the way, had been viewed more than three and a half million times. During this conversation, this is crazy. I can't stop this. You got to know this is happening. Bruno, who's been dean of students for four years now, describes just how up close and personal the student gets with the objects. The kids are just playing with them, looking at them. They're like, How does this butt pluck work? How do we do, like, how does it work? That's a really cool part of my job, he says. How does he describe it? 
And when the Project Veritas reporter goes on to ask if parents who pay fees of 40 grand to send their children to the school might be worried if they found out, he says, no, it's queer sex. The man also mentions that during Pride Week, the school invited guests, including drag queen Alexis Bevins, to hang out with the students. The Project Veritas member followed up by saying, you have so much freedom, so much wiggle room, to which Bruno responds, so much freedom, so much money to do stuff. When asked if the trustees were okay with it, Bruno claimed he hadn't told other school administrators about the sexual objects being shown to the students. They don't know. I wouldn't even like run it by them. Like, why would I run it by them? They would be like, oh my God, that's wonderful. In a statement, Francis Parker officials told Daily Mail they are committed to providing high school students with a comprehensive and LGBTQ plus affirming education. Francis Parker cares deeply about the health, the well-being, development of our students. Programs designed to help cultivate physical and emotional well-being as well as strong sense of belonging are central to our mission. They continued stating that Project Veritas had tricked Bruno into speaking. Officials said Bruno believed he was describing the school's approach to sex ed with another educator. Was he lying? (laughs) I'll answer that. No, he wasn't lying. That's what's going on there. I promised you we would have one little segment about Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm looking at time. We're 22 minutes away from the finish of the show. I want to make sure I make good use of the time. What are we going to do? Let me think. Da, 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 da. Senator Marsha Blackburn. Ah, she's up next. Let's just let her go ahead and let you listen in as she rips Alejandro Mayorkas in a Senate hearing. You're going to love this. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. You 
You know what? I'm just thinking about it. This this song, you know it. It's Diamond Girl by Seals and Crofts. I think it was back in 1972, maybe, maybe 71. James Seals, Dash Crofts. Those are the two singers. I've never heard from or about anything about either guy since then. I wonder where they are. I'm going to check that out. Of course, that means a lot to you on this Friday. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Sometimes she really gets with it when she's questioning witnesses, especially controversial ones that are before her committee in the U.S. Senate. The most recent one was Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. And she has a series of questions that she pins Mayorkas down. As you know, he has a great gift of pontification when he's asked a question. And he makes it go on and on and on and on, especially if he's uncomfortable with it, doesn't want to answer it. And he wants to uh, keep her or the questioner at the time from asking any more questions. So he just tries to dominate the Q&A. She would not let him do it. And of course, it's about what's happening at the southern border. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And Mr. Secretary, thank you for being here with us. I have to tell you, and I know you've heard it from others, so many Tennesseans that I talk to are absolutely outraged with the benefits and the handouts that are given to illegal immigrants, especially at a time, especially at a time when so many people are really suffering due to this oppressive inflation that we are seeing take hold of our economy. And we are finding ourselves in the midst of the worst border crisis ever. Now, my colleague talked about 2019, but also the number dropped in 2020. After the implementation of Remain in Mexico and the Title 42 positions, that dropped and now under this administration, we are at an all-time high. You are setting records. And now you're talking about giving immigrants, these illegal immigrants, a billion dollars in settlement money. A billion is a lot of money. That's a lot of taxpayer money. So I'd like you to help me put these payments into perspective of that billion dollars. So how much of a border wall? If you want to talk about getting to root causes, build a wall. This is what our Border Patrol has been saying for three decades that they need. It's not Trump's wall. It's the fact that the Border Patrol wanted that. So how many miles of border wall would a billion dollars build? If I may, Senator, take a moment. Because you've you've asked two very different uh, questions. Yes, I have. I want an answer to how many miles a border wall could you build with a billion dollars? Obviously, you don't know the answer to that. The answer is 50 miles of border wall. And then how many Border Patrol agents could you hire with a billion dollars? Something else the Border Patrol has said they need to secure this border. Senator, may I, may I speak to the number of questions that you have posed? Let's go through these and then come back to that. How many border agents could you hire? I would have with to get billion back dollars? to you, but I can tell you it's over fifteen thousand border agents. How many immigration judges? Another thing the border patrol has told us that they need at that southern border. How many immigration judges could you hire with a billion dollars? I would respectfully submit that you seven thousand two hundred and thirteen immigration judges. 
could be hired. These are all things the Border Patrol has said that they need. Now, Grassley asked you uh, about a, you responded to him on these settlements uh, because the families are separated at the border. So can you sit here today and tell this committee that there hasn't been a single family separated since your administration? You told Senator Grassley you all ended that policy day one. That is correct. We are not. But you are care, not, you are still, you separated families, I know as late as March. That has been okay. reported. So all these families that have been That's separated it. under the Biden administration, are you going to make a payment to them? Oh, Senator. Are they eligible? Senator, your, your, your question, uh, forgive me, your, your question is filled with inaccuracies. Oh, no. I, these are things that we are pulling oh, from oh, no. uh, Senator, Border you're, Patrol. Oh, yes. You're, you're, okay, I'm going to move on. Are you compensating people for both short and long-term separations, days or weeks? Are you making any difference in that, or is it just a blanket payment? Uh, Senator, uh, the Department of Justice is representing the United States of America in federal tort Under claims. what legal authority do you all have to make these payments? Senator, um, uh, if you were privy to my prior testimony, and please allow me to answer at least one of the multiple questions that you have posed. Okay, I want to one. move on in uh, the time I have uh, left to a couple of other things. Are, are you familiar with the name Robin Pichero? I am not. Okay, Pascal Gaspar Andres. I am not. Or Gaspar Gaspar Andres. Or Juan, Juan Carlos Morales Pedraza. These are just a few of the criminal illegal immigrants who have been charged with a convicted crime against American citizens since Joe Biden took office. This has happened on your watch. Uh, Patero was charged with a hit and run. It left a father of two dead. The Andres were charged with stabbing a man to death. Uh, Juan Carlos Morales Pedraza was he pled guilty to coercing a minor to engage in sex. So this administration's radical immigration policies are endangering Americans and costing some of them their lives. Does the Biden administration have any plans to issue million-dollar payments to the families of those who were killed or assaulted by illegal aliens? Um, Senator, uh, in 2020, there were individuals who crossed illegally into the United States. These are all on your watch. And committed crimes. These are is all it, on your watch. Is it, um, is it your position that the prior administration bears responsibility for that? I'm asking the questions, and these are all on your watch. Uh, the Build Back Better plan supports giving uh, green cards to illegal aliens. There are many advocates out there that are trying to get, make certain that gets shoved into the Build Back Better. I call it the Build Back Broke. Do you support giving green cards to illegal immigrants that have entered this country, yes or no? Um, Senator, I, I believe in immigration reform and legislation that provides a path to citizenship to those who meet certain criteria. So you would support illegal immigrants having a path to citizenship and getting a green card when we have Americans that are out of work. Let me ask you this, yes or no, have you ever visited the White House? Have I visited the White House? Yes. Have you ever visited the White House? Yes. So you're aware there is a fence around the entire perimeter of the White House to prevent unauthorized individuals 
from entering the White House, correct? Yes. And U.S. taxpayers are also funding a half-million-dollar fence around President Biden's Rehoboth Beach House, correct? I'm not aware. And your department is overseeing this construction. You should be aware of that. President Biden obviously likes walls when they protect him. So can you explain to me why a wall is effective and necessary at the White House and the Biden Beach House, but is not necessary at the southern border? Yes, I can. May I have that opportunity? It's up to the chairman. My time has expired. You may complete the answer to the question. There are, there are thousands of miles along the southern border, and I agree uh, with what then-Senator McCain uh, presented, which was there are different solutions for the border because of its tremendous expanse, the great diversity in the terrain that it must cover, and therefore the key, the key to border security is fundamentally advanced technology. That is the most effective means because we're not going to construct a border wall on the ragged and jagged cliffs in certain parts of the border. And if I may respectfully, Mr. Chairman, because I did not have a chance to answer any of the other questions, let me just respectfully submit that I disagree with almost everything that was articulated in the questions posed to me that I did not have a a chance to respond to. It's interesting to listen to these back and forth. We very seldom have the time to listen to them live. And we pick some, the ones that I think expose more, and not just negative about the Biden administration and those who work in the administration, like Mayorkas. But when there's something really good to talk about, we bring it to you. That's what we're about. We want to give you the good stuff, the bad stuff, and let you make your choices of how to process any and all of them, if you want to process them. If you don't, you can do it like you do here on this show. Turn it off. Don't listen. Ignore it. It's a dangerous position to take, and it's really stupid to do it because so many parts of this the stuff that we talked about today and the things we couldn't even get to, we could spend 10, 12, 15 hours a day bringing you examples of what's going on in our government that are important. We try to grab the ones that are most important and most vital for all of our listeners to understand. You just heard Mayorkas refuse to tell the truth. And of course, she was not giving him time in his answers to pontificate and do as he so glamorously does all the time. She wanted facts, and then she wanted to move on and ask other questions that were important. And there are always other things that are more important than we think the ones we have are on our plate. It's just the way life goes. No matter what your circumstances are, there's always somebody that's worse off than you. There's always somebody that's better off than you. Same thing holds true when you answer questions about different things. There's something big happening up in Illinois. I thought we should at least bring it out so that you can know about it. Illinois corruption, financial troubles, a bunch of other problems. There are some people in Illinois that have said enough's enough. We want to establish a brand new state. So they formed a not-for-profit 
nonpartisan new Illinois organization founded in 2018. It works to educate Illinois people about their constitutional rights to pursue the formation of a new state out of the present Illinois. They identify a longstanding urban versus rural, small town and suburban divide there. The organization argues that policies addressing a major urban area like Cook County, which is Chicago, it looks after Cook County's best interests may be out of step with the rest of the state. We are a state-split organization, and our areas of focus are representative government, government corruption, and our state's fiscal catastrophe. That's from the new Illinois chairperson, G.H. Merritt. Northern Illinois, including Chicago, saw more federal public corruption convictions than any other federal judicial, judicial district from 1976 to 2020, with Illinois as a whole ranking third in corruption among all states. That's according to a University of Illinois at Chicago anti-corruption report. The state is on track for a more than $6 billion debt increase this year. That's according to State Comptroller Susanna Mendoza. Merritt called the Illinois General Assembly a huge abuser of shell bills. These are bills that are filed with innocuous content. The bill is later gutted and replaced with other content that the politicians don't want people to know about. Sounds kind of familiar. The U.S. Constitution allows a new state to be created from portions of an existing one with approval from the existing state's legislature and Congress. Illinois has been plagued by violent crime in recent years. The state had the ninth highest homicide death rate nationally in 2020. That's based on CDC statistics. Chicago police reported more homicides during the first half of this year than any other major U.S. cities agency. Whenever there's a new problem going on in the state, it has the potential to increase public interest in what we're doing, Merritt said. New Illinois boasts committees in more than 20 counties statewide. You might be surprised to learn that Illinois is not the only place where a state split movement has emerged. In Oregon, 11 counties have already voted in favor of merging into Idaho as part of the Greater Idaho Movement. It calls for those counties and four others to join the Republican-controlled state. Merritt said New Illinois has a close relationship with New California, an organization that complains of overtaxation, regulation, and monoparty politics in California and advocates for establishing what would be the county's sixth largest state out of portions of it. Merritt told the DCNF she had also interacted with people in Weld County, Colorado, interested in becoming part of Wyoming, a Minnesota state representative, who discussed adding some of their state's counties to South Dakota and individuals from Western Virginia who wanted to merge with the state of West Virginia. Establishing a new state through splitting would be an achievement not seen in more than 150 years. 
despite the fact there have been a bunch of attempts. West Virginia was the U.S. last state to form by breaking off from an existing state, separating from Virginia during the Civil War. Later, similar efforts involved other states, including Arizona, Kansas, and South Dakota. They never came to fruition. After 27 Illinois counties reportedly voted in favor of referendums for exploring ways to leave Illinois, Southern Illinois University Carbondale visiting professor John Jackson argued that they were unlikely to successfully form a new state. He claimed such a reform would be a disaster for Southern and Central Illinois. It just speaks loudly to me that all these places, parts of Illinois, I like Illinois, they want out. And the people have the right, if you're not getting in government what you want and need, leave. Well, let's listen to something peaceful on the way out, right? How about one of our buddies, Michael Bublé? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door A pair of hop-along boots And a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben Dawes that'll talk and will go for a walk Is the hope of Janice and Jen And Mom and Dad can hardly wait For school to start again It's beginning to look a lot Like Christmas Everywhere you go There's a tree in the Grand Hotel One in the park as well It's the sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Soon the bells will start And the thing that'll make them ring Is the carol that you sing right within your heart It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door Sure it's Christmas 
amor.